Hey guys, welcome to this very special episode of Mothering Together. I'm your host, Kayla Calabro, and today we have a wonderful guest. She's loud for love, and I think you are going to love her after listening to our chat. Our guest today, Meg Thompson, spent a decade working as a kindergarten teacher, and then she realized that she was drawn to the kids that other people found to be completely challenging. She found those kids to be interesting, charismatic, exciting, and determined. Today, she's a behavior specialist visiting kids at their schools and in their homes and using proactive and strength-based approaches to behavior. In her words, she sees kids as perfectly designed, equipped with the exact right tools to help them be their very best. She only uses behavior strategies that are cemented in love and refuses to use the very common fear-based methods such as stickers, tickets, tokens, points, and clip charts. She believes in internal motivation and believes rewards and punishments need to hit the trash. We get it. Being a mom is hard. You need support through the amazing moments and the heartbreaking moments. Together, we'll find balance in the heavy role of mothering. We'll reconnect with the parts of ourselves that we've lost along the way. And we'll build a community that we can lean on. So one more time, let us just say, welcome, welcome, welcome to Mothering Together. Before we jump into the interview, I just want to say, towards the end of our interview is where it really gets good. I ask Meg three questions that were asked by members of our Facebook group, Mothering Together. And seriously, the magic that this woman works when she talks about specific issues, you're really gonna wanna listen. So stick around all the way to the end and I I think you're gonna learn a lot. Hi, Meg. Welcome to the Mothering Together podcast. (laughs) What is different about you, I'd say, about behavior? Because I know what's different about you and what I love about you, but I want you to share kind of like the things you don't like or the things you love. I was trained probably as everybody was trained in my master's program in education. And I learned all about stickers, tickets, tokens, points, and clips, and what to do to kids in order for them to comply. And then they get some sort of reward Mm -hmm. and enough rewards ends up in another reward, right? This is these external reward systems, this PBIS uh, class, Jojo, all that stuff I am against. So if there's like a group of behavior consultants and there's a hundred, there's probably 85 in the, I call them fear-based strategies because those strategies end in shame, guilt, and embarrassment. Mm -hmm. And I am in the 15 that use love-based strategies. And people want to take the, I call them Pinterest strategies, the Pinterest strategies and make different Pinterest strategies. (laughs) But the way to get there is new information, right? You need... We all, all, most of us learned those stickers, tickets, tokens, points, eclipse. I taught kindergarten for 10 years. I did them all Yep. because that's what I learned. And then I realized, oh, that's not, we wouldn't do those to adults. And I got different information. And then I said, wait a second. And I self-reflected and figured out where to go for the new different information and more of it. And then that, that's where I go now. And that's also why I have like, if, if you said I need an hour to talk to you on zoom it's like april 15th is like my first one because Mm. people are loving that the hard thing is is that a lot of teachers are forced to do these things or they learned this and it's a lot to manage it's making teaching really hard right and then parents 
get it because they think they should do at home what they do at school for that joint language and that right so it's tricky and i'm loud about it right i'm not i when i first started to be honest i was like a lot more meek and mild i don't know if those are adjectives you would use to describe me <laughs> but i was very i was much more zen about it right and then i realized that kids emotional wellness is at stake and now i i am just loud about it and i get in trouble a lot let me pause you there because you said kids emotional wellness is at stake tell me how and why like i i have read um alfie what is it, Alfie? Punished by Rewards, that's the best book ever. So Alfie Cohen, Punished by Rewards is the best. And it also says the trouble with gold stars, incentive plans, A's, praise, and other bribes. And then people are like, well, but it works in the adult world. It doesn't because this is the adult world one. Drive by Pink talks about incentive plans in the adult world and how they don't work. And that would be what? So if you were in sales and like, hey, if you sell enough houses, you could go to Cabo San Lucas. Oh, I see. Yes. And that stuff doesn't work or it works for a short amount of time just for the Cabo trip. And then it, then everything falls away. Yeah. Cause I read when in Alfie's book, kind of, he talks about how a reward based system is basically an extrinsic motivation. And what we're looking for, for our kids is like an intrinsic motivation. So like coming from within and wanting to do something. And an extrinsic or an external reward system cancels out or diminishes the intrinsic. So while you're doing one, you're canceling out the one you want. So like if you were to like give a kid candy, I like, so I struggle with this because I know the benefit of having intrinsic motivation. And that's like the most motivating way to be to be to to change behavior but then like my son is learning to potty train and I'm like here's a here's a skittle for going uh-huh here's yes and that's where you see it even people who are against it potty training is like the p.s but I use it for potty training <laughs> yeah right because but you can't make a kid eat sleep go to the bathroom or talk right so you have to flip your brain to they'll do it in their own time mm-hmm. and if it's that they're not going to be going to college peeing in their pants you just right to- well, and so for potty training, I was like, okay, I'm going to switch and just like allow myself to be a little kind of behaviorist and focus on, he's not always going to need a Skittle, right? To go pee. And then he was, eventually he was internally motivated too. The hard thing with potty training is you use those external motivators like, and it's almost always candy mm-hmm. or a sticker chart. And then when they figure it out and they actually pee and poop on the potty, we end up taking the sticker charts or the candy away from them. And they're like, what? No way. Yeah. No, that didn't happen. I've been earning this. And now that I'm awesome at it and I could get all the candy and stickers, you've now taken it away. So there's a lot of regression or anger that comes with that. Or kids who are just like, you know what? I'm going to just do it in my pants and I don't care. Right. So, uh, and then we do that to ourselves, but we do. It's so hard when we don't have, the only person who can help pee and poop is a pe- person who's going to the bathroom, right. not anybody else. Okay. So we just have to flip our brain to, I can't make them do it. And once we can flip our brain that way, we're in a much different place. All right. So tell me just generally, and we've kind of covered it, but like, what is your philosophy about behavior change? Like if you're going to help a kid change their behavior, what is your approach Okay, so the first thing we have to do in any sort of behavior change is new information. But before we get to new information, we have to self-reflect. I know the day that I realized it didn't work. I was supposed to be checking in with a boy who (laughs) got mad. He was from Virginia, and he called you a big head with his um, 
southern accent he's like you're such a big head and we we're like don't have to learn for he wanted he wanted it to be like a swear but it wasn't and and we just giggled but he was explosive and he was having a hard time with these big emotions and so i was supposed to every 15 minutes give him a sticker and if he got enough stickers in a certain amount of time, he got, mm-hmm. are you ready? This is the worst prize ever. A photocopied and laminated picture of a motorcycle. Why would that even be fun? I don't even know why that is what we decided. So the relationship was awesome while he was getting the stickers. I remember sitting on the stairs. We were facing down the stairs. And I said, ah, oh, buddy, that was a rough 15 minutes. And I probably didn't use the right language. And from then on, he hated me mm. because I did not give him a sticker. And I was like, I did that myself. And I said, so when when we're using these external reward systems, your best behavior strategy is relationships. And if you're the one dictating and judging whether they get or don't get a sticker ticket, token point or clip, you're hurting the relationship every time you do it. Mm-hmm. So that was the day I realized there needed to be a change made. And like I said before, I have drunk squirrels that live in my head and to do it every 15 minutes. And then if everybody's on it, I, I can't teach and think of social emotional growth and be in charge of all these stickers and tickets, tokens, points, or clips. I just don't. And I don't think a lot of teachers have it in them. Nope. It's just so, and, and I hear that from teachers all the time and moms, because a lot of moms do it because the teachers do it mm-hmm. and they're professionals. So we're going to do what the teachers do right in class dojo. You could pay $7 and 95 cents to carry those points home and carry the home points back to school. Oh, wow. So the kid never gets out of that, that point system. Jeez. Yeah. Which is pretty tricky. Yeah. So it, it is self-reflection. You got, you got to be like, that doesn't make sense. We wouldn't do that with adults and that, right? And then we need new information. If you're going to Pinterest to look up behavior management strategies, unfortunately, we're doing it wrong. Pinterest is for knowing what to do with your mason jars after your wedding. Like, what do we do with these mason jars? You need to, I always joke, you need to feng shui yourself out of Pinterest. to. So what would you suggest for, like, where can people find good quality new information? I mean, I have good quality information. (laughs) From Meg. (laughs) From me. Right, I have a master class that starts with the self-reflection piece. Then it goes to who is this child? So right, that temperament piece we talked about previously. Mm -hmm. So knowing that where I meet kids and when I'm too much for kids, I was probably too much for like three-fourths of my kids in kindergarten. And I want to call them now. They're they're like 25, 26 and be like, hi, sorry. I didn't know (laughs) it was too loud or too much or too close or... Um, and then we look at the relationship piece, then the environment piece, then the differentiation of instruction. So by temperament, we then fall into, right. You could tell I'm a tactile kinesthetic learner. I'm not a worksheet learner Mm -hmm. because that's a focused, quiet activity. As you could probably tell I'm not focused or quiet (laughs) ever. Um, and then we go to discipline. So it should be natural, logical and teaching consequences. Okay. And then. That's 98% of the time. A challenging behavior is a lack of skill or an unmet need. Yeah. 2% of the time, it means we have to pull in you, right? A speech pathologist, an OT, a PT, a school counselor, a school psych... I said school psych- psychologist already. Like a whole team of people because this child needs maybe a 504, an IEP, and they need something more intense or I- intensive to help them 
be the best they can be. Alfie Cohn's book, Right Punished by Rewards, is the one I start with. I also have on my website, if you go on my homepage, all the way at the bottom, it says research. It's supposed to be our job as a behavior person to give kids the skills so they can be the best they can be, right? I was in a meeting today to take a kid off a prize box. The, are you ready for the prizes they had? Are you ready? I'm ready. Plastic cockroaches. Ew. Plastic cockroaches. And the, the parent threw, threw them away because they were disgusting. <laughs> Little girl sassy, so she got more the next day. <laughs> I love her. She's amazing. <laughs> and, but like, are the plastic cockroaches supposed to help her with her anger management? No. No, because I was like, what do you do besides give her a prize from the prize box? Because it's either lucky or unlucky that she meets the criteria that you've made for her. And she's five. And she's five. When she and, and the part is, I think you, you said this before, and I was gonna you asked me something, and she's starting to attribute her self-worth mm. to whether she gets a plastic cockroach from the prize box, which is ridiculous, which makes an anxious kid be an anxious adult. <sighs> I cannot believe that her self-worth is measured by cockroaches. Plastic ones, plastic. Oh, that's so or stickers or right. And the things in a prize box are from the dollar store or oriental trading company. Definitively. That's what I filled I mean, my prize box with when I was in a school. Ah, uh, duh. Everybody does because we don't get paid a lot as a teacher. So we're like, so then she's like, well, there was nothing else good. So I got a plastic cockroach. And I was like. And we do these things as parents too. So like thinking oh, about as a mom, I mean, yeah. I've gotten to points and I, my kid is, what is, I don't know, he's about to be four. So I've been a mom for four years. Pretty proud of it. Almost for you. And you know, when I became a mom though, I, and I had had many years professionally before I became a mom of working with kids. So I like started off. The, it is not the same. <laughs> I started off being like, I am awesome with children. And so this is going to be easy. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Exactly. Me too. And then I had a kid and I was like, I gave so many adults bad. Yes. Advice. Definitively. Because, uh, I I remember the mom that asked me what happens when you have to go to the bathroom and the child wants to come in. I'm like, you close the door. And then oh, I obviously. remember the day I sat on the toilet going to the bathroom with my son, going shh, 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 rocking him back and forth and rubbing his back while I was going to the bathroom. And I thought, yep. oh, I wish I knew that mom's phone number. There <laughs> are so that. many I'm moms. So sorry. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So... And so for us, we do these kind of things, um, these behaviorist, I would call them these things. Mm. It's like cause and effect. And we have, we're told to do like timeout, compliance based, but then it's even the flip side, like timeout to me is probably the, the easiest one that parents are like, I'm not going to do that. Cause that's, that doesn't feel very good. Mm-hmm. But then even the flip side of that, of like giving rewards, doing sticker charts and things like that. Those are things that are very common, I'd say still. And I know that, I know that lots of like the parenting people, I don't, I don't really follow a ton of them because I honestly try and stick with my own intuition. But like, if, if you're looking online, you're going to find like behaviorist approaches. You're going to find almost 99% of the time you will find behaviorist approaches over approaches that don't use sticker tickets tokens points or clips or punishment or um and even when you don't want to do those things sometimes you're 
you're desperate and you and when you don't know what else to do those are the things still in your toolbox to use yes I'll give you an example and you can talk talk me through it so I am someone who is probably a little too too thoughtful about this and get a little over analytical with my own kid um and so let's say this is a hypothetical example that a child has potentially spit out food on the floor that was disgusting. It may have been salad. And so they throw it on the floor, spit it on the floor. And you ask them very nicely, hey, bud, could you please pick that up off the floor? That's kind of yucky. Can you put it in the trash? And you get a no. (laughs) No. But you asked a question, so you have to take the answer. Okay. So what would you, how would you switch it? um, When you spit out food, you pick it up. Okay. The end, stop talking, zip your lips, and he is not allowed to do anything else till he picks it up. Okay. That Which is, is like the not when then. Manner, not in a forceful manner, but he will get up to try to go somewhere. When you spit food on the floor, you need to pick it up. Mm-hmm. If you don't like the food, just let me know and I'll give you a napkin. But the minute you ask a question or make a command with an okay at the end, making it a question, you have to take the kid's answer because you've given them the choice. There are some kids motivated by challenge, choice, and control. So if you were to give me a choice and then I made the choice and then you said no, as an adult, I would still be mad at that because I have that temperament. Well, and for me, so I think about it, I try to think about my child and like what I would do if I was talking to another adult. And so I'm like, would you please do that? And he says no. And well, I'm like, well, shoot. Kind way, <laughs> right? And we do it out of love because you're like, because in your heart, you're thinking, oh, he's totally going to pick it up because I asked so nice. Right. I'm so sweet. Why wouldn't he? <laughs> he's thinking, I've got a choice. I'm totally not picking up the salad. It's right. disgusting. I can't even believe I put that in my mouth. For sure. Yes. My mom is the meanest person ever. Yes. Well, also that. And you have to, right. There's a, there's a difference between doing it in a a firm and neutral manner and doing it in a mean way. Mm -hmm. When you spit out food, you need to pick it up. Mm. Interesting. And then you, and now we want to go into dissertation too, about spitting out food and the germs and and we go on and on and on and on and on. And you just have to, just those two sentences, when you spit out food, you need to pick it up. Okay. And then if he doesn't do it still, what's the next step? Uh, you got to wait. Okay. So he'll. <laughs> so this is it just cut you up because you were so loud, but you said, but I don't want to pick it up. <laughs> I don't want to pick it up. And um, uh, then we usually go to arguing with them. Yeah. Or we go to uh, the other behavior strategy of ignore it. He's not going to get louder. Mm-hmm. Or for me, I I do it for him. Like that's what I I would do. Right. So the next time he spits out food, he knows you're going to pick it up. Right. Or give you him a choice, and then he picked the choice, and then he's like, and I feel like when a kid makes a choice because you've given it to them, they're like, wow, oh. and it just gives them like more power to to fight in that power struggle. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, right, he'll say, but I don't want to pick it up. I know has to be done (laughs) and then you just have to wait it out because when you give in he knows how far he has to push Mm -hmm. before you give in Mm -hmm. so every time you give in you just make that struggle longer and we want consequences to happen right away and that's not the way the world works sometimes 
he will push and push and push. And then he finally picks it up. Say, I don't know, say an hour and a half later. And he's like, mommy, you want to play a game? I call it mad mommy strategy. But you know what? Mommy's feeling upset that it took us an hour and a half to pick up the salad on the ground. And I need a minute, which means I can't play right now. Right? Play. I know you do. But mommy's brain needs to take a break because that took a lot of time. And maybe next time it won't. Right? So my, my son can now at 10 go, mommy, are you in mad mommy right now? Because of the way <laughs> I answer. And I said, yeah, but I feel frustrated. He goes, I'll give you a minute. And he walks away. But that took... Aww. That took six years. It's 10. Yeah, it took, it restarted at like three or four. Oh. But he now knows it for his whole life, right? Yeah. He now knows it for like 80 years. I love that. But it's so hard, especially when you're in a rush or like, do I have an hour and a half before he goes to bed? <laughs> like maybe not. And do I, I want that happens. to be the time? Yeah. We're going to bed and tomorrow morning before breakfast, we're picking that up. And then mm. if it's not then, I mean, you have to outlast him in a kind, loving way where in the real world, what happens if we went out to lunch and I spit salad on the ground and you get kicked out? It's not like a social thing you can do. No. I was thinking the real world, how would this go? If I came in your house and smacked you, you're probably not going to invite me out to go with you. So time, so time and patience. So 98% of the time, a challenging behaviors, a lack of skill or an unmet need, right? Like mm -hmm. I talked about with my module. And then we have to use our two best friends of time and patience. It's so hard because your kid's four. Right. It's going to take them a lot of time. And, and there's a lot of unmet needs or I guess uh, a lot of lack of skill at four, right? Yeah. They don't, they don't have them yet. So that's, that's a little frustrating for me. So this actually was a good segue. Instead of doing what I normally like to do, which is like a 20 questions, we're going to skip that. That's baloney and I want content. We talked a little bit about my problems and we also have a group. My problem. Focus my problems. I have a Facebook group that the podcast does. It's the Mothering Together Facebook group. And I wrote about you. I was like, guys, I'm having Meg on. So we had a lot of kiddos who have anger. Mm. Obvi, we all have anger. So anger is a theme. And basically I have some questions. You ready to hear that? I am. Okay. So number one, how do I help my child express feelings of anger and frustration in a healthy, safe way instead of hitting and throwing? We're in the thick of that right now. And sometimes I feel at a loss of what he can do instead both at home and in familiar settings and out in the public. And they say in pu public is like really hard right now because there's just less supports, right? Like there's less around you. So what would you say to that? So kids show anger in three places. Humans show anger in three places, their hands, their feet, and their mouth. So if they're hitting, they show it in their hands. The thing we do all the time is tell t kids to take deep breaths. Mm. And if they're taking deep breaths, that is not with their hands. Yeah. I don't think any kids take deep breaths with their hands. So a deep breath doesn't help them calm. And if they're using their hands and they are hitting, they are physically external in anger. So I am physically external in anger. So when I am mad, I want to say the F word and I want to hit and throw things. I can't do either of those, any of those three because I would be fired 
mm-hmm. for my job um, because I'm supposed to be helping kids do that. So we have to replace their hands with their hands. So the one I use most often is uh, the squeeze my finger, not my pull my finger. That's different. So if you if you put your finger in your palm and you squeeze it, but your I know no one can see, so I'm going to try to describe it. And it comes out the top. If you squeeze it, it's going to hurt the top of your finger. If you put your finger all the way in so it does not come out the top of your hand and you squeeze, now squeeze as hard as you can, it does not hurt. Yeah, it doesn't hurt. And it does not hurt as long as your finger is in your palm and it does not stick out the top. My son still uses that. So they squeeze your finger? They can use your finger. They can use their own finger. I've seen kids squeeze their own finger because they have to get the physical piece out and the hitting actually feels good for their body and it feels calming. They probably won't tell you that because they know they're not supposed to say it feels good to hit somebody. Mm -hmm. So kids who spit, swear, bite, they, uh, uh, they do it with their mouth. If they hit, pinch, push, punch, they do it with their hands. If they elope, that's what you call it in public schools. Kids run out of the classroom Mm -hmm. or stomp or kick. They do it with their feet. There are some kids that do all three. It's actually easier that way because then you can use a whole multitude of strategies. It is the replacement behavior. Again, it's the time and patience. What else can they do with their hands to get that physical energy out? Mm. It took my son. So he's always been a squeeze kid and a hug kid. He used to do my leg and then he got too big where it would hurt my leg. So uh, we decided to do the, the finger one. We have kids that like punch a pillow, but they have to have the impulse control to get to a pillow. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of tricky. Um, Kids who can like push your hands, right? So you're like squatting down and they like push as hard as they can, or they try to push a wall. You put your hands on the wall. They try to push a wall. Um, Yeah, the wall push-ups. Deep breaths help with kids that use their uh, mouth. Their words. (laughs) The F word was something else. I replaced a little girl who said the S word with sassafras. And she loved it because she could say the A word twice. But it was a swear word. Sass in a word. And she went sass a frass. I love her. Yeah. She was five. <laughs> uh, I also love her. So, but it took, it takes a while to do that. You have to tell the child. The part we forget is we have to explain to the child. Oh man, when you get mad, you feel it in your hands. We're going to think of other things to do with your hands because I know that when you hit it feels good. And I totally get that. We forget to say that. Mm -hmm. We just start to replace the behavior, but the kid has no idea why. So we can't forget the explanation. We have to talk, talk to them. Yes. And explain what is going on in your body. And it's okay to feel good when you hit stuff. Right. You could still hit stuff. It just can't be a. Can't be people. Because that is the number one way to get thrown out of a school. Yes. Let's actually do two more. This is a question from the group. Um, How to deal with the older brother who's two and a half, so he's little, Mm. constantly Mm -hmm. taking toys out of the little brother, 11-month-old hands. The poor baby cries every time. I have some ideas about this, but I'm curious what you have. So it's probably about jealousy and the still the two and a half year old thinks the toys are his and all two and a half year olds are egocentric and think Mm -hmm. the parents are theirs. The toys are theirs. The house is there. The world is theirs. All the people in the world are theirs. That's just how a two and a half year old, that's the developmental stage they're in. So we have to stay close and the toys that 
or for the baby, you might want to duplicate the toys. Mm. That's what you would do in a toddler program. You would never have one really cool truck. You have to buy two really cool trucks or three really cool trucks. Um, and when, and of course the baby cries because the baby's upset. Yeah. But we also don't want to make the two and a half year old feel bad about the crying because I don't know how much he understands about that. Right. We don't want him to shame him. My kids are a little different age wise, but for in our family, we do like, what is it? Turn. It's like turn taking versus sharing. So it's more like yes. um, sharing is an attitude. Turn taking is a skill we have to teach. And yeah. so I will often, you know, it kind of switched gears recently where I started protecting my older son's turn from the baby. And so I would say, nope, sweetheart, little, littlest baby. No, you cannot take that from your brother. It's his turn right now. And then I would deal with the baby's feelings, deal with mm-hmm hug, hug on my baby and say, yeah, I know it's upsetting. You really want that toy. Let's go find you a different toy and kind of like switch gears that way. And that seems to be working in my, my house. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not a behavior person. And we have to be the one when he's finished, I'm going to make sure you get it. And then now that baby doesn't have to hover. And, and the older one, if the baby has, it doesn't have to hover because now I'm in charge of getting it. And then they have to be able to trust you. So when the child is done are you done that because remember your brother wanted to turn yep okay so we have to be responsible for that and it allows the older one to have that sort of generous soul at the end of their turn when they are done yes right okay so we let's do one more thing so there's one member who says she's working through complex emotions with her two and a half year old missing her dad a lot and unfortunately dad has a job where he has to come home and then sometimes leave again the next day Mm -hmm. and it can be confusing and trying to find ways for her to express her feelings in a healthier manner which she didn't really go into what was happening but something healthier um, since this isn't going to stop anytime soon. This is going to be dad's pattern. So she says she also has an 18 month old who will start to have similar feelings Mm -hmm. about dad's absences. Um, So what would you suggest? We also have a similar situation with a firefighter dad. The kids are looking for attachment, right? So there are audiobooks the dad can read so the child can hear the dad's voice. There is there a t-shirt with a dad's deodorant or cologne on it that the child can snuggle with and love and either even can you like tie it on the child to wear it right there are there pictures at the child's level to look at the dad is there facetime you can do so as much as you can use all the senses to Mm. attach to the dad and then when the dad comes home it is the dad's responsibility as an adult to spend as much time right i was working with a family whose mom travels a lot and then when she comes home it's like she saw it as self-care so she would like go out with her friends and i was like oh but your kid really misses you so Mm -hmm. you have to plan time with your kid and maybe do the self-care on your business trip i don't know if that can happen yeah we have to the dad has to be present when he is home and we, when he is not, we need to use all the senses to create attachment for her. Write notes, write letters, also have a calendar of when. Even like a video of dad being like, I love you so much. And like talking to that child. Over and over and over, right? If it's on a video on your phone, she can watch it as much as she wants. Mm-hmm. She just wants more of her dad. So because it can't be in person and it seems like it's the dad's job and the dad probably is contributing to the family financial situation that the dad can't stop his job because the child's sad and the dad probably feels terrible about it 
Mm-hmm. So how can you get the dad in front of that girl in, ha- in different ways, yeah. as much as we can? Before I could let Meg go, I had to ask her the question I ask all the moms. So if you were to choose two items to represent your life before becoming a mother and after becoming a mother, what would they be? Okay, so before becoming a mother, I would have a watch and a flag because I had time and freedom. And after becoming a mother, I would have a pillow because we never get enough sleep ever, even when we think we get enough sleep. Mm-hmm. And a balloon heart because once you have kids, your heart grows three sizes like the Grinch and the uh, Grinch that stole Christmas. Oh, I love that. So your heart would grow. Yeah, so I feel like, right, because I, I feel like we think we know love because we've fallen in love with another human being. But then when we give birth to the human being, it's like, what? The, the love is like so crazy that sometimes if I talk about my son enough, I would like cry because I just love him so much and I want to kiss his face every day. I want to be with him all day, every day. <laughs> I just want him to be back inside of my belly, <laughs> but not really. He's 10 and I'm 5'8 and he goes to my eyeballs at 10 years old. That's how tall he is. But I don't want him back no, in no. No, no, no. I, let me just say, Meg, thank you so, so much for participating in this interview. Oh my gosh, I loved it. I love when they're funny and lighthearted and silly and humorous because I've been on some that are like snoozeworthy. And then I look out of control. <laughs> and you made me look not out of control. Well, there you go. I, you know, we matched energies, energies, I think. We do. And I... I, I mean, I, I'll go on lots of podcasts, but I don't often meet the energy. Sometimes it's just mm-hmm. like, and I look like a crazy person. So I looked less crazy in this one. And I thank you. Thank you guys so much for listening all the way through today. Um, Meg was just such a fantastic guest and I'm thrilled that she was able to join me and hopefully we can have her back again. And if you would like to go follow her, her website is Meg Thompson, M-E-G-G-T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N.com. And she's Meg Thompson Behavior on Instagram. All right, give her a follow and we'll see you next Wednesday.